If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. So today is a solo episode. You are here with Nicole Van Tassel from I Explore Science, and you are all mine for the next mm, how many ever minutes. Um, so with that in mind, thanks for tuning in. Today we're going to be diving into how NGSS instruction is different than our typical approaches to science instruction. So basically, we're looking at the discovery-centered approach that and the sh- MGSS like embodies or intends us to use versus the teaching as telling approach, which is how we have traditionally taught not just science, but pretty much everything. Um, So this is probably the most important instructional change that you're going to make with the NGSS. When you adopt this approach, you are going to actually find it so much easier to incorporate the science and engineering practices. Um, You are going to find it easier to understand what um, the NGSS is really about and you are definitely going to find students are more successful with NGSS assessments because they have practiced this through the entire um, unit that that you've that you've taught using this approach. So the basic gist is that you're moving away from teaching as telling and you are moving toward students discovering big content ideas themselves. Before we get into that, we kind of have to address like what is teaching as telling? So I first came across this phrase like a couple years ago, 2017, and it might have existed for a long time, but I never really heard it discussed. And I absolutely love it because I had always thought about direct instruction as being like lecture and notes. And I knew that I wasn't doing lecture and notes, so I must be doing like exploration activities and, you know, students were figuring stuff out on their own. In reality, teaching as telling, which is a form of passive learning where something or someone is providing information to somebody else who is meant to just like absorb it or take it in, comes in many forms. It comes in the form of videos. It comes in the form of reading a passage and answering questions. It comes in the form of watching a demo and hearing about its explanation. Now you might think like, oh, students are exploring the content because I'm not telling it to them. They're researching and finding that information on its own. But if the 
if the passage that is that they are researching or that they're reading is literally telling students the information, it's still teaching us telling and it's still a very passive form of learning. It, it does not incorporate any meaning making. Students aren't taking different pieces of evidence and putting them together to come to a new idea. They're simply reading about how the water cycle works. So a lot of times I have seen these types of activities dubbed as exploration because students are exploring the text or exploring the video. But they really aren't exploring or discovering anything. They're being told information. They're engaging in teaching us telling activities. It's just not coming from you, the teacher. It's coming from the video or from the article. Now, again, the gist with teaching us telling is that you, through some medium, through the video, through the demo explanation, through the text, are conveying these concepts or ideas to students. Whereas a discovery or an explore before explain approach shifts that sequence of instruction so that students are developing an understanding of the concept or the idea through their own experiences. The teacher explanation and the, and the vocabulary and all of that occurs after students already understand the meaning. So really it's this concept of constructivism at work in the classroom, which is not anything new. It's been around since, I don't know, John Dewey's days. And we just haven't been embracing it. We haven't been using it. So here's a very quick example. It doesn't really incorporate a whole lot of like science and engineering practices, but it's quick, it's simple, and it's easy to understand. So when you're teaching interactions and ecosystems, I've traditionally, you know, showed students some different videos about animals hunting and eating other animals and animals working together to survive. And I tell them that this is predation and this is mutualism. And we look at all the examples. I give students the concept, um, the term. Maybe I even ask them, what do you see happening here in this one example? Who is benefiting? Who's not benefiting? But in the long run, they're not really making a whole lot of meaning from the concepts. They're pretty much just watching the video, the example, um, being told this is like who's benefiting, this is who's being hurt, and this is what that interaction is called, predation, mutualism, parasitism. They're taking my ideas and they're internalizing them. Now, in an explore before explain approach, you might instead give students examples of a number of different ways that organisms interact. You could give them pictures and text that simply describes what happens. The lion hunts and kills the zebra for food. The bear fishes the rivers for salmon to eat. The clownfish lives in the sea anemone where it's safe from other fish that want to eat it. The anemone is protected from anemone eating fish by the clownfish. So you might ask students to read these cards and then just identify patterns and interactions. So you're not asking them who's benefiting, who's not benefiting, and, and giving them that information. You're just asking them to make sense of what they're observing. Students could create groups. They could identify how the interactions are similar within the groups, how the groups differ from the other groups. Again, right now students don't have any scientific terminology to explain what they're seeing, but they can just use the, their regular language to explain the basic premise behind each concept. Then after students have basically developed an understanding of all of these different patterns of interactions, then you can come in and you can take their explanations, elaborate on those concepts, and then give them the scientific terminology to talk about what they observed. 
They understood the concept at the core. They discovered it on their own. And now it's also easier when you give them the label for them to remember it because they already know the big idea. So why should you take this type of approach? It does take longer than simply giving them the information. My first activity with the videos took maybe 15 minutes. Letting students explore and search for patterns is going to take maybe double the time, maybe triple. Who knows? Depends on your students. But it's still valuable. So why? Well, for one, it's easier to incorporate the science and engineering practices into your classroom daily because you're asking students to use them to figure the content out. Again, this example didn't have a great um, science and engineering practice tie-in. It was actually more aligned to the cross-cutting concept of patterns, although it could be part of like obtaining, evaluating, and communicating information. Either way though, um, typically when you're thinking of your explore activities, you're going to think about what science and engineering practice you could use to help students discover the content. So you're incorporating that into your classroom daily. It makes it a lot easier to get in that habit and to use those science and engineering practices. On top of it, this take this approach takes so much off of you in terms of day-to-day -day classroom operations. It definitely requires more upfront planning. But when the kids walk into class, it is their brains doing the work. You are supporting, you're facilitating, you're asking questions, you're making observations, you're encouraging them to keep trying. But you are not standing there and, and teaching them at the front of the room and, and rattling off facts and guiding every single activity. They, it is their brains that are doing the work. Your job is to support and facilitate. And then beyond those benefits, which are, you know, for you mostly, um, and this one is so, this one, you know, is the most important one. But it leads to better understanding and retention. So if you don't believe me, just take a minute and think about um, this example always comes to mind because I'm at that phase of my life where I, I finished college fairly recently. Not really. Okay, maybe like 10 years ago. But um, everybody always says, oh, your high school years will fly by. Your college years will fly by. Make sure you appreciate them. Or... For me right now in my life, you know, enjoy every second with your kids. It goes by so fast. They grow up so fast. The days are, you know, the days are long, but the years are so short and blah, blah, blah. And when someone first tells you that, you're like, yeah, yeah, of course. I totally agree on a logical level. Yes, I understand what you're saying. But you don't really appreciate it until you're like two years in and then you turn around and you think like, where did that time go? How did I not appreciate college when I was there? How did I, what did I do with those first six months of my, you know, firstborn's life? I don't, I don't feel like I remembered enough or embraced enough or, or just was there. Like it just went so fast. You don't understand it until you experience it. So it's kind of the same way with conceptual understanding in science. You can teach your students everything you want them to know, but it doesn't mean they're going to really understand it. They're really going to internalize it. They need to come to these new understandings on their own. And the only way to get them there is not by telling students what you want them to know, but by providing experiences that really force them to reevaluate what they thought before and develop new ways to understand. They're not going to be just recalling the information. They're actually going to be like believing in their core that information. 
Now moving toward discovery centered approaches can be a, a huge shift in your instruction, but it is what was intended by the NGSS writers. It is about getting students to do science, explore stuff, in order to discover how the world works, which is your big content ideas or your disciplinary core ideas. You can learn a lot more about this approach at the IS4 Science blog, the 5E model, which is a way to structure this approach. I have a ton of articles there, misconceptions about the model, um, how to different activities that work at different phases in the model, all of that. I'll link to a few of the posts in the show notes that um, that will help you get started there. But more than anything, I just want you to walk away with a willingness to like give this approach a try. Even if you don't like fully adopt the 5e or adopt PBL or model-based instruction or anything like that, just shifting your instructional strategies so that you are in- providing more opportunities for explore before you explain things on your own. That's going to be the most important thing you can do to align your classroom to the NGSS. It's going to lead to higher quality instruction and learning. And I promise you, you are going to see growth and engagement in your students and your life is just going to be easier. It is going to make your classroom a much more enjoyable place to be in, um, a much more satisfying place when you see uh, just everything your students are learning. That said, it does take time and support and your students are going to need some initial support as you adopt this this approach. Uh, I am also going to link in the show notes to a blog post with some specific ways that you can support your students as they're transitioning to discovery-centered instruction, uh, like using guiding questions, the way, the types of language you use, I like to call it hedging language, uh, that can encourage them to take risks so on and so forth. That's a topic for another day, but I will provide some links in the show notes with additional resources to get you started. Um, Anyway, so I hope this episode has challenged the way you're teaching in your classroom. I hope you're evaluating whether you're teaching as telling. And if you are, I hope you're thinking about how you might move toward a more discovery-centered approach. Remember that everything here is just a work in progress. We're all doing our best, so no judgment. Um, You do what you know, right? So like, I didn't know about this approach when I first started teaching, so I did teaching as telling. I learned about this approach. I started making some changes, and from there, my knowledge grew, and my um, the way I teach changed, or the way I taught changed, whatever. Um, but I hope you're going to give you know doing things a little bit differently a try. If you have any questions about anything we talked about, please join us in our Facebook group, NGSS for Middle and High School Science Teachers, to continue this conversation. I will also link to the group in the show notes so you know how to find um, me. Again, Nicole Van Tassel from I Explore Science. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.